If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Everybody all right? Good. I'm going to give you a few minutes of word and then dismiss you. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Uh, This chapter is 34 verses. But we're not going to do all of them. Unless you're extra hungry tonight. (laughs) But I want to get a few verses, get through a few verses tonight. On on Wednesday nights, um, for those of you who uh, are new to our Wednesday night service, what we do is we walk through Various books of the Bible, that's what we have been doing on Wednesday nights, and we uh, basically go verse by verse and just get to know the Bible and uh, go deeper. And so uh, it's a great time in the Scriptures, and we've been in the book of Acts now since uh, time began, feels like. Uh, but we're finding ourselves at part 24 tonight, Acts chapter 17. This is a, it's an outstanding, outstanding book of how the church began and what it looked like in the very early stages, and how we are experiencing even today a lot of the kind of power that they were experiencing here. It's still alive today in the earth. Amen. And I'm happy to be a part of a church that is alive. Amen. And, and follow a book that is alive. Amen. There are lots of books out there. This is the only one that's alive. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Are you ready? Now, when they had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, Apollonia, you remember Prince? This is girlfriend's name, right? Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, everybody say, as his custom was, went in to them, and for three Sabbaths, that is, uh, their church day, which was Saturday, reasoned with them from the Scripture. So three weeks in a row he went to this temple of the Jews, synagogue of the Jews, and reasoned with them from the Scriptures. There's also another place in the New Testament that Jesus went to the synagogue, as was his custom. Wow, Jesus had a habit, a custom of going to church. That's really cool. I mean, how many of you know if Jesus feels like he needs to be in church? Huh? I mean, I think if anybody gets a break from going to church, it's him. But he saw it important enough to be there and have a custom of being in church. All right? The Apostle Paul, the Apostle of the Gentiles, had a custom of being in church. Amen. You guys came. I know I'm I'm not talking to any of you because you're here. All right? It's beautiful. I'm grateful that, that... I, it was instilled in me the custom of being in the house of God. Yeah. Amen. It has blessed my life. Our lives are so enriched by being in the house with God's people. Verse 3, explaining, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So he's taking what, he, what Paul has been doing is, remember they didn't have New Testament scriptures. They didn't have Paul's epistles. What Paul is doing is taking them back to the books of like Isaiah, taking them back to the Psalms, and taking back uh, all those, the, 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 the old law and showing them Jesus there. 
where all those prophecies about the Redeemer who would come and redeem Israel, the one who would come and, 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 and wipe away their sins, the one who would come and forgive their lawless deeds and no longer impute their sins to them, but, but, but apart from their works would, would apply the righteousness of God. They talked about Abraham and talked about all these great ones who looked forward to this day when the Messiah would come. And now what he's telling them is this Jesus that you've heard about that we've been talking about, he's the Christ. He's the one of the scriptures. He's that redeemer. And look what happens here. I want you to go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 for just a moment. Uh, Michael, John 8 verse 9. John chapter 8, verse 9. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now this is a story about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Caught really more of a setup is what it was. The Pharisees, uh, I believe it, the whole thing was a setup because they didn't drag the guy out in, 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 into the street in front of Jesus and say, this guy's guilty too. They only dragged the woman out. All right. So then they set the whole scene up, and she's she's a prey to their plan, and they 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 bust open the door, and the act is happening, and they grab her out of there, and they take her shamefully down the street, plop her in front of Jesus, and they begin to quote the law of Moses, say this: the law says she ought to be stoned. What do you say? And they're trying to catch him in his words. So the Jesus. Stoops down, starts riding in the dirt, and then he says, yeah, okay, any of you that's without sin, go ahead, pick up a rock, go at it. And verse 9, we come to, then those who heard it, heard what Jesus said, those of you that are without sin, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. So now the scene is that the only one, the only one that is qualified to throw a stone is there with this woman. Look what happens. Verse 10, so Jesus picked up a really big rock. No. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. That's key. That's key. She said, Lord, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No one. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. I have every right to throw a stone, but I didn't come here to do that. Matter of fact, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now look at the next verse, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Watch this. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I want you to write this down. Sin consciousness is darkness. Therefore, the inability to overcome sin. Sin consciousness is darkness. Therefore, the inability to overcome sin. All that means is if you're focused on your failures, you will continue to fail. 
all right? And these guys are out here, they're focused on her failure, right? And then Jesus reminds them of their failures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, any of you, nobody's, any of you that's not sin, go ahead, throw the rock. But he never did. He never did, and so he chose not to throw the rock, and that empowered this woman at that moment to have a whole new revelation, a whole new strength to overcome any sin. Neither do I condemn you. And those words are what set her free to rise above the sin consciousness. Because let me tell you something. If Christ doesn't condemn you, it doesn't matter who does. Now look over at Ephesians chapter 5. What did Jesus say? I am the light of the world. He who follows me does not walk in darkness. Right? Now, Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go to verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5. For you were once darkness. I like the, I think the key word there is were. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Say, I am light. All right, because he is light, we are light. Now let's go, verse, eight, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You walk by the Spirit, you find out you live acceptably before the Lord. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather, let's stop here on this verse, but rather expose them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, let me tell you something. One of, one of the, the errors of today, one of the errors of Bible teachers today is that they take that verse and then they go to railing on sin. If we don't expose the darkness, we got to expose the darkness, you bunch of sinners. Somebody's got to talk about sin. All these guys are talking this hyper-grace, hyper-faith. Somebody's got to stand up and tell the truth. Somebody's got to stand up and tell about sin. But hang on a second. We've got to keep reading the Bible here. This says if we're going to expose the works of darkness. Now look at this. But rather expose them. So we would understand we need to expose them. Is that right? Verse 12, for it's shameful to even speak of those things. Hey, dumb preacher, quit talking about it. That's not how they're going to get set free. It's shameful to speak of those things. You preaching on sin is what's keeping people in sin. If all you ever do is talk about their darkness, how can they ever see the light? That's better preaching than your amen. But For it is shameful to even speak of those things in which are done by them in secret. Now watch verse 13. But all things that are exposed, here we go, are made manifest by what? Light. How'd this woman get set free from that sin? The light showed up. The light showed up. Huh? Who follows me will not walk in darkness when Jesus, for whatever makes manifest is light, verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The only way to expose the darkness is to turn on the light. All right? This is why we preach the gospel of Christ, not the sins of men. We preach the gospel of Christ. We turn on the lights. Christ died for your sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. Believe on him, and all the darkness will go away. 
That's really good news. That's really good news. All we have to do is preach Christ. Preach Christ. Darkness is exposed when Christ the light is revealed. Now, now watch. Let's go back to Acts 17, verse 4. I'm almost through. Look at this. And some of them were persuaded. And some of them were persuaded. Now, who is he talking to here? Do you remember? Remember who Paul's preaching to here? Remember he was showing that Jesus is the Christ? Remember where he was? He was in the temple preaching to Jews. And some of them were persuaded because it is so difficult. It's so difficult for these that are steeped in tradition and religion to simply accept the pure good news of the gospel. Their whole relationship with God is based upon their efforts to receive God's good favor and grace. If I do enough good stuff, then it'll all work out in the end. That's, that's the lie of religion. It's man-made, thinking that we can do enough good stuff to earn or to, to receive heaven. Oh, God wouldn't go, send good people to hell. No, good people send themselves to hell. Because they just don't believe the gospel. There's only one way to eternal life. Amen. Why wouldn't we take the easy road? Take the easy road. God made it easy. He did all the hard stuff. He said, believe it. You'll receive all the benefits of it. Amen. Oh, that is blessing me. And watch this, though. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Wow. Some of them were persuaded, but a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Man, the Gentiles heard this. They were like, yeah, I just believe, yeah, I'm in. They didn't have all that religious tradition, all that funk to get out of their heads to just simply put their heart faith in Christ. They were like, are you kidding me? Like, I get off scot-free if I just believe? It's that simple. I mean, I'll go to heaven just because I believe. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do, do a bunch of stuff. I just believe on Jesus. Heck yeah. Amen. And a great multi- and and a few of the leading women join Paul and Silas. The leading women. I thought that was interesting. Hey, these women were ready for the good news too. That's the way it's always been through the ages, especially those that were under oppression of religion. You know, it's interesting. If you look over worldwide religion, especially Islam, it's the most oppressive religion on women. Right? The only thing that they can show is their eyes. You just stay down and humble, covered up, and shut up. Always does that. And all that religion had done for them was oppress them. All that it had done for them was demean them. All, that, all it did for them was to keep them ignorant. So when these guys came and began to preach the gospel, the women were like, yeah, I can believe for myself. I don't have to follow this self-righteous jerk anymore. Well, I should have got a better amen from the ladies there. But I, okay, we've got to keep going. Verse 5, but the Jews 
who were not persuaded, becoming envious, of course, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, poor guy, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these, check this out, look what they say, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Turn the world upside down? Think about how threatened these guys feel. They're not there saying these guys are, you know, they're trying to persuade other people to, to believe something else. They're, they're, they're teaching some new doctor. They said, these guys are flipping the world upside down. Isn't that interesting? Flipping their world upside down. But the world's being made right side up by the gospel. Turning that world, that religion world right over on its ear. One, one more scripture, John chapter 12. This all started with Jesus Christ getting somewhat of the same reputation. Last verse, John 12, 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, now you have to understand, this is, a, this is what, what is known as the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Do you remember when Jesus was sat, sitting on the donkey and the people were laying their clothes out in front of him and they were waving palm branches and they were saying, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the, the King of Israel, Right? And so they're ushering him in into the city with the highest accolades of honor. The Pharisees standing back, look at it, and look at it. They said among themselves, see that you are accomplishing nothing. Now they all turn on each other. They start pointing fingers at each other. You're doing nothing. Look what they said. Look, the whole world or the world has gone after him. One version says the whole world has gone after him. The whole world? I mean, they could feel this power behind this message, and people were running to it like crazy. And their whole world was just <laughs> being sucked dry. The world has gone out. I love this. I love what this does to that stinking devil called religion. The gospel just freaks it out. Doesn't even know how to deal with it. They're turning the world upside down. The world's going after them. Yeah. You might as well believe too. You might as well believe too and be set free from that oppression, those chains, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Father, thank you for the beautiful gospel. Thank you so much. Lord, as many times as I've heard it, as many times as I've uttered it, it is still the sweetest thing I've ever heard. I thank you. Thank you for this great message. That it, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Father, what a great night it's been for these who have believed on Christ as their Savior. And tonight they've said goodbye to the old and have risen in newness of life tonight. I bless these, God. I thank you, Lord, that they walk in another dimension, Lord, a new level of understanding, revelation, God, and their relationship with you, God, that they, they get stronger in their faith. Hallelujah. Bless them, Father. Bless all these who are here tonight, God. Thank you, Lord, for, for all of our guests that are with us tonight, that your peace and grace would be upon them and their families, God. Lord, you're so good to us, and I thank you, God, for my one-cause family, that you are truly, 
truly a God who is on our side. And because you are able, therefore we are able. And greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Lord, as your people go tonight, I thank you that they go strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. No evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. The blood of Jesus cleanses them and covers their lives. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. They shall know their God, be strong, and do exploits in the earth. And I thank you, God, because we've been reconciled. Now we are carriers of the message of reconciliation. As though God were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Thank you for the opportunities that we have to share this glorious good news with those that we come in contact with, that they too may experience the born-again miracle. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Love you guys very much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.